Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. The Limitless podcast was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community that show that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. I have an awesome guest with me today. He is a journalist, a podcaster, and a fellow RPer. Has the same eye condition as me, and I'm really excited to introduce Chad Boughton. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute honor. So, Chad, why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself? Yes. So, like you said, I am a fellow member of the RP Club. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I was diagnosed at age 11 with autosomal recessive retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I will be 30 this year. So, you know, about 19 years of losing my vision to RP. And, um, if people ask me if I really remember anything about that day, honestly, I don't. It's just so far back in the window of my mind. The only, the only thing I really remember that day is just my mother crying on the phone as the doctor told her that. Not, not just myself, but also my sister both had autosomal recessive RP. Um, so I can only imagine for her especially back in like the early 2000s with, you know, no assistance, not a lot of the technology we, we have a day, um, just how kind of lost she felt when she got that news. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, that, that's pretty much, you know, what I remember about my diagnosis. And then in terms of growing up, um, I guess it was kind of a blessing in disguise to be diagnosed so early. Um, Cause at age 11, you're still not really all there <laughs> in the, especially in, in the world and like understanding how things are going to play out. You know, I, I heard, Oh, I have vision problems. I've, I've been wearing glasses since I was like five. So that's nothing different. Mm-hmm. I just went back to my video games and playing basketball with my friends. And I really didn't think about it. And I didn't think about it until I was in high school because that's honestly when my vision really started to decrease and dip. And then, you know, we had a doctor, you know, sit us down and say, your vision's so bad to a point now that you will never be able to drive. And that was kind of like the first moment where I was like, okay, so this is a really serious health condition. Like this is going to affect me in ways that I haven't thought before. So you know, it wasn't really until, you know, all my other friends are going out and doing things on their own. And then I'm having to sit at the house because I can't drive. And I lived in a very rural town where you had to drive if you wanted to get anywhere to do anything. That's when I started feeling like, okay, so this whole being blind thing kind of sucks. (laughs) But I had a really good family. Um, I have great parents and they just always reinforced the idea that you know, a, a disability is not a death sentence. You, you honestly can do anything as long as you're willing to work hard enough for it. And I just always give them all the praise in the world for instilling with me the idea that I can be independent and confident, even as I'm losing my vision. And they always told me as I was going through college to like, if you get out of college and you don't like the degree that you have, go back and get a new one or get a job because you're not going to live under our house and just sit on the couch and collect a disability check. We we want you to do something with your life. And we want you to feel again, like this disability is not a death sentence. So I really, yeah, I give them all the praise in the world because if it, if it wasn't for that mentality, I, I wouldn't be here with you today talking about my journey. I'm curious I'm just fascinated with people who have siblings who are also blind because I just think that would be really cool, but (laughs) I mean, not cool for the parents maybe, but (laughs) so is your sister older or younger and was her vision progressing kind of alongside yours? Did she have more or less vision? 
So it's it's a very interesting story, to be honest. So we're 14 months apart. I am the older brother. Um, she's my little sister. So, of course, I'm very protective, big brother mode, always, every day, you know, 24-7, 365. <laughs> <laughs> um, her journey is completely different than mine. Um, once I realized, you know, I'm not going to be able to do, do a certain things on my own without assistance. That's when I, I really started being like, okay, I got to ask for help. You know, I was more of a, hi, my name is Chad Bouton. I'm legally blind. My sister was like, hi, I'm Alexa Bouton, just Alexa. Mm. <laughs> um, so she really, really hated knowing that she was going to start losing her vision and it impacted her very differently than myself. Um, she denied it for a long period. I would say it was only within the last, uh, I mean, I'd say five, six years that she's gotten to the point where she is now saying, hi, I'm Alexa Belton and I'm legally blind because of retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I'm proud of her that she's at that point now, but of course I wish she could have gotten there a little bit sooner, but you know, that's the thing is not everybody can get to a comfortable place or even be in love of their disability the same way as others. And I don't think it's fair of us to expect that out of them or try and force that of them. So I'm just happy that she's now at a point where she is proud of herself and she doesn't let her disability define her. Uh, it's really interesting because obviously you had the same parents, you had the same upbringing, you have the same eye condition. It was, you know, probably quite similar that you accepted your blindness before her. Do you have any thoughts as to what factors contributed to you being able to accept it sooner? I think it's a product of the, the court of public opinion. I, and I really, I really do think that's kind of what played out and why we were so different. I was always a loner. I'm, I've always been very introverted. Some would say, uh, probably a bit of a homebody, you know, I can go several days without leaving the house and be completely fine doing my own things, whether it's reading a book, you know, doing stuff on the internet, playing games, you know, I, I really only had, I mean, gosh, I probably only had like three actual friends that I did things with constantly, you know, on a weekly basis, just because I was very selective with who I was friends with because as my vision started getting worse and worse, I needed more friends I was comfortable with mm -hmm. trusting my health and safety with my sister. Yeah. Um, and I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm critiquing her in any way because I, I it's, it's all said out of love. Of course. She was a very popular person. Um, she did cheer. She did dance. She had a lot of friends. Um, she, you know, had a lot of boys interest, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but she was very into what others thought of her and how others would perceive her. And I think maybe her playing too much about how the court of public opinion thought of her and her appearance may have impacted the way she dealt with her disability. Um, you know, with me, it's like, I don't care if people judge me because of my disability, because I've always been living on the margins, I've never been living on the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a, like a good way of putting it. It's like my sister was always very much in the mainstream while I was always out on the margins. So she felt like she had a lot to lose. Mm, I, yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. And like, if people knew, then they might not let her be part of that club. Mm, exactly. Yeah, I can relate. I'm not judging your sister at all. It took me a long time to accept as well. Ironically, here I am fully on the other side, but <laughs> it's a journey. And it's, it's just really interesting because, you know, my parents, I didn't really even know right away and it was kept a secret. And, and I feel a little bit like that made me want to be normal because I, I feel like they wanted me to be normal. And first of all, what the heck is normal? Uh, <laughs> it's such an ugly word to be honest. It is. I, I hate 
that word because I think so many people try to live up to that. Just, it, it doesn't exist. There's, there's mm-hmm. no true thing as normal. And I think we put way too much pressure on making people live up to this imaginary image that really should not be defined in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, the, the expectation in, in my upbringing was you're probably not going to be able to do much with your life as a blind person because my parents didn't know anyone who was blind, didn't really have a sense of what would be possible. They didn't say that to me mm-hmm. quite exactly in those words, but that's sort of the message I took away. And it pushed me, right? It was like, it pushed me to prove people wrong, but then I've seen it do the opposite where if your family doesn't believe that you're going to amount to much, you just don't. And then there's the, so it's just so interesting that you had the same parents treating you the same way, accepting you equally. And yeah, just that you went down different paths towards the same end result. It sounds like, um, she's made it there now. Mm -hmm. And she's great. She is a a full-time massage, massage therapist. Uh, she makes a lot of good money. Um, and I'm just proud of her. She's been holding down that job for the last 10 years. So does she still have a lot of friends and a lot of interest from men? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She recently actually went on a date just the last couple of days ago. And I stayed up all night until she came in around one in the morning, worrying (laughs) about her as the big brother I am. (laughs) Right. Okay. So accepting the blindness and being blind didn't, hasn't, um, had that negative impact. Cause I think that was a big fear for me too. Like, mm-hmm. will I be lovable? Will people want to be my friend? Will I get married? Like all of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I, I, I hope anyone who's listening doesn't take this the wrong way, but I do think there is something attractive when a person can be confident with the hand they're dealt, oh, you know, yes. no matter what it is. Um, I think people, can look at a blind person, a, quadri- a quadriplegic, um, anyone with motor neural, just like if they themselves, you know, are confident um, or they're at a level where they, they feel like they're not going to let their disability or chronic health condition define them. I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, dang, look at them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, now I feel like being authentic mm-hmm. is the goal. So it's mm. funny, like wanting to be normal, but normal is just sort of average, right? It's just like <laughs> yeah. trying to be like the majority of the people, mm-hmm. which everyone's just trying to be like the majority of the people, except for mm-hmm. the people who aren't, who just figure it out <laughs> earlier, the fringe people. Yeah. <laughs> but really it's the authentic people that are mm-hmm. the most interesting, the most themselves, the most mm-hmm. confident, right? Because you're not trying to be somebody you're not. Yeah. And I think that's honestly probably a really good way of putting it is she struggled with being authentic and true to herself. And I think now, you know, these last, you know, five, six years, she's, she's found why it's great to be authentic with herself. And I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Back to you. So (laughs) (laughs) tell me a little bit about your career path. You what, what degree have, what, what did you do? What, who are you? <laughs> who is Chad Belton? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went to college to, well, I was hoping to be a teacher. So I went and I got a history degree and I, I wanted to teach middle school. I, I think kids in middle school are the most open-minded when it comes to disability and I, you know, it, it's in my opinion that that's the time where we can really impact on them the most, a positive image about disability. And, you know, I just wanted in some way kind of insert that into the lives of my students. Mm-hmm. I never got that chance, though, unfortunately, just because when I did get out of college with my degree, the county that I lived in was having a ton of budget cuts. So it was a very cutthroat environment at the time. And my mom, uh, she was in the education system for 30 years. She just was very honest with me. She says, Chad, I just, I don't know right now how they're going to look at you. 
and you're like, I'm not trying to be mean or, you mm-hmm. know, you know, undercut all the hard work you put in to get this degree. But right now, I just don't think the county is going to be very welcoming to a blind teacher. Mm. And I was thankful that she told me that because it did save me a lot of time, you know, wasting away one, you know, putting up these applications and then never getting anywhere and just trying to put all my eggs into the teacher basket and never looking anywhere else. So I do thank her for that because when she told me like, Hey, you might want to, in the meantime, see if there's any other, anything else that you can do. So I was trying to find work, but where I grew up in, they're not really the best when it comes to understanding disability. Um, I've, I, I, I did experience a lot of people, you know, behind my back saying like, you're, you're never going to do anything with your life. Um, you know, I've had some extended family, you know, even say it's like, Chad, you're just going to live with your parents for the rest of your life because you're, you're never going to do anything. And I just, I didn't want that to be real. So again, like yourself, I wanted to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just kept looking and unfortunately, where I grew up in, they always found the legal reason to say no, no matter what it was like, oh, you don't have enough experience in customer service, or you've never worked two, three years caring for children. They always found some excuse to say no. And then my friends who were working at those places would text me and say, hey, did you get the job? And then I told them, they're like, no. I don't have enough customer service or experience with caring for children. Like, Oh, I didn't have any of that experience either. I wonder why you didn't get hired. And then uh-huh. the back yeah. of your oh, mind, I wonder. Like, <laughs> cause you don't have a cane or a guide dog. Yes. <laughs> so here I am. I just spent all this time getting this degree that I was very proud of because I, I am still the only person in my family to have a college degree. And I'm very proud of that accomplishment, Mm -hmm. but I was feeling devalued that accomplishment because no one was giving me a chance to use my education. Yeah. And it just so happened that at the time I was putting in an application with AT&T to do customer service, I had also put out an application to a organization in Palmetto, Florida called Southeastern Guide Dogs. And at the time, it was looking like I was going to end up with AT&T, but then they started kind of backpedaling when I asked them, hey, I'm going to need JAWS and, or a screen reader put on my computer so I can do my job. And they're like, well, we technically can't add screen readers to our program because of security reasons. Mm-hmm. So I started getting a bad feeling about them. I'm like, okay, I don't think they really want to, you know, help me in a way that's going to actually make me successful and competitive in this very competitive um, career. So then Southeastern Guide Dogs was like, hey, we would seriously like to talk to you. If, if you're interested, you know, let's hop on a phone call. And if, you know, things go well enough, we might want you to come down for a one-on-one interview in person. So I just trusted my gut. I didn't feel confident of where the job of AT&T was going. So I went with Southeastern Guide Dogs. And and the lovely thing about that is I had actually gotten my current guide dog, who will be retiring this year, from Southeastern Guide Dogs back in 2014. And this was around in 2017 when all this was happening. And, um, you know, we did the phone call. They liked me. They said, come down, let's do the face-to-face interview. I, I did that. A um, couple weeks later, they had me on another phone call with HR and the people that work in HR and with volunteer services. And then a couple weeks after that, I was on a phone call with the vice president of HR and the CEO. And it was funny. I'll never forget the call. I mean, this all happened so fast. Like within like a month or two months of me, you know, doing the initial phone call with Southeastern Guide Dogs. We were already to the point where I'm talking with the CEO. And I'll never forget the call because he's like, so we understand that you're going to be moving down here on your own. You know, your family's up in Northwest Florida. We're in Southeast Florida. Are you going to be able to 
you know, provide for yourself. You know, you, you will be getting paid, obviously, but you're going to have a lot of bills. You know, you're going to have to pay for an apartment and electricity at all. We just want to make sure that if you move down here and you take this job, that you're not putting yourself into any sort of financial ruin, mm. which, you know, from a business perspective, I appreciate that. They're just looking out for a, you know, a possible candidate. Mm-hmm. And I, I made all the promises in the world to them. Like I will do everything possible to make sure I can support myself. I've got this, you know, even if I have to take out low and stuff too. <laughs> um, and um, I just think me being like super, like, no, like I'm all in. Yes. You know, your enthusiasm. Re- mm-hmm, yeah. Really won me the day because they're like, okay, well, we're going to talk things over a little bit more hung up literally like <laughs> two or three minutes later, here I am pulling into a, uh, a psychiatrist appointment. And then I get a phone call saying, so we want to hire you. We want you down here. We want you to start on January 2nd. And this was literally like December, first week of December. Wow. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll be there. This is going to be a lot of great stuff to talk to my psychiatrist about. <laughs> How's your day? How's, how have you been lately? Chat? I'm doing great psychiatrist doctor. <laughs> um, yeah. And then from then on, it was just a scramble. You know, we left literally within the next couple of days to look for apartments and January 2nd of 2018, I started my first job, my first ever job with Southeastern guide dogs and it's what's led me on this amazing journey. Um, you know, I'm no longer with them, um, but that was a mutual agreement because of the uh, COVID pandemic. Mm, but I right. worked for them from 2018 to 2021. I started off as a welcome desk coordinator, helping people with their appointments, doing emails and phone calls. And uh, eventually I worked my way up into fundraising and I was a philanthropist. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I raised a lot of money for the organization because, of course, all the money that we raised goes towards the dogs. And mm-hmm. it was an amazing, amazing journey. And I will always credit Southeastern Guide Dogs with really giving me the keys to my life. Because once I had that first job, I knew that I could do any job from there on. Yeah. Well, moving, you know, away from your family too. I don't know Florida, but I'm assuming that's like a fair distance. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think like, you know, especially with you guys in Canada, I think people underestimate just how big Canada is. It's like, oh, I live on this side of Canada. And then mm-hmm. my friends live on this other side. And so that's like, that's like a 10, like full, full, full day trip. You know, people underestimate just how long of a travel you would have. Yes. It's kind of similar with Florida. You look at it's like, oh, it's not that big of a state. But to get where I live now, back to my hometown, it's about eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's far. <laughs> so yeah, you're leaving your entire support network behind, right? Like not only starting a new job, but just having to fend for yourself. That's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Just me and my guide dog, Andros. <laughs> yeah. So what happened after you left there? Where did you go next? So, you know, the pandemic, I mean, it's, still ongoing in many ways. And Mm -hmm. there's so many people that have been impacted and will forever be impacted, you know, no matter what way they've been impacted. It's, you know, it just, it's been a world changing um, event, truly. Um, So when I lost my job, I, of course, was obviously worried because I'm like, okay, what, what do I do now? I have customer service experience uh, at the Wahoo. (laughs) And um, I have this experience with fundraising, outreach. um, And I I didn't know where to look. So first I started with the DBS, which is the Division of Blind Services. And I'm like, hey, here's my situation. You know, I just got out of a job, a long-term job where I was raising a lot of money for an organization you know, I'm good with outreach. I know how to use a computer. I know how to write an application, do a resume. You know, I know all this stuff. And unfortunately, they really weren't helpful. Um, and I do hate to say that, but that this is just my experience. This is just what happened to me mm-hmm. is they really didn't help me look for jobs. So I got really fed up with them and angry because I was like, you guys are supposed to be an organization helping people yes. like me find work, but you're dragging your feet 
you're wanting me to take career classes when I've just come out of a long-term job raising $50,000 for a nonprofit. Yes. I just, I I felt really offended and I hate to use that word, but I did feel offended. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened was I went on a COVID grant for a reemployment office out of South Florida and I was a janitor. I literally worked as a janitor for six months and I hated every single mm. day of it because it wasn't the same self-fulfillment. You know, yeah. I'm no longer helping blind people. I'm no longer giving independence or confidence to blind people with the work I'm doing. Um, so here I am. I, I just, you know, I'm starting to flounder again and I'm feeling really bad because money's getting tight. Um, social security was being a real pain in the butt at the time, making it really difficult for me to, you know, provide for myself. Mm -hmm. And there was a time during 2000 and this would be 2021 where I'm like, I think I might have to move back with my parents. Right. And that terrified me because I was so happy with the life that I had to this point, being so independent having this group of friends, being able to actually walk on sidewalks and go to shops, Mm -hmm. um, not having to need a car because there's buses and trams, there's self rides. Um, you know, I, I can live my life the way I want to, and I can't do that if I move back with my parents. So I was so terrified and here I am, no one's helping me. And I don't know what it, what it is. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get religious because I know a lot of people aren't, but for me, I am. And I really do feel there was an intervention from a higher force. And I was able to get the confidence to go, you know what, if no one's going to help me and no one's going to give me a job, I'm going to make my job. I'm going to make my own career path and I'm going to figure this out because I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to sit on that couch. I'm not going to collect the check. I'm not going to be the person that everybody said growing up that I'm going to be. I'm not going to do that. That's not who I want to be. And I know it's not who my parents want me to be. So I'm going to figure this out. I don't know. I don't, I don't care how long I struggle. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And fortunately by the end of that year, I figured it out. That's amazing. Okay. (laughs) So what happened? I'm on the edge of my seat here. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was, I had made a really good friend at Southeastern Guide Dogs, and we're very close in age. We're about five years apart. We have a lot of the same hobbies and likes. Um, Big thing being we're both really avid gamers, um, love comics, you know, pop culture stuff, music. So I just asked him, I'm like, hey, man, I don't really have anything going on in my life, and I want to keep myself occupied so I don't start getting anxiety and depression again because I've dealt with mental health issues all my life and I, and I don't want to you know relapse on that at all I, you know I've done so much work to get to a good place I'd hate the relapse so he's like dude if, if you want to hang out and you want you want to go places with me I, you know I'll keep you occupied so you know Kate and Beverly you know I don't know if you'll ever listen to this but if you do I truly love you my friend thank you for being there for me when I really needed you um because he would come over and we play games together. We go out to eat, you know, have a couple of drinks. <laughs> We're yeah. both of age here in the, in the States. Um, and then eventually I'm just like, you know, I've always wanted to record myself doing Let's Plays. I've always been into people on the internet playing video games and having an audience and, you know, kind of getting paid to do that <laughs> as mm-hmm. a career. Um, so I'm like, hey, man do you want to like start a YouTube channel together? Um, he, he's a photographer, so he knows a lot about cameras, audio equipment, you know, lighting. So he's like, yeah, you know, I've got a bunch of spare equipment that we can use. So let's do it. You know, we both got nothing else to do. Let's just go ahead and do it. Um, spoiler alert, the channel really never went anywhere, but it helped me get confident with recording myself talking and then putting it out onto a forum where people then could listen to it and hear what I had to say. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that is when we are playing these games, 
is I was always very upfront with like, okay, the reason that I'm not doing the controller and Caden has to play the game while I kind of backseat game is because X, Y, Z. It's like, here's what I would need in order to take the controller away from Mm, Caden. So I was trying to be very upfront with like, hey, accessibility, innovations and accessibility for gaming. Yeah. Where where are you at? (laughs) Right. Um, And eventually he he moved away um so i was kind of on my own again he, he you know he wanted to further his career in photography so he moved away but at the time my sister was like okay if you're visually impaired and you can't see to play these games really well on your own why do you still play games and i guess i had never really thought of it before so like that really made me sit back and think like well why do i still play these games and she's like you should really capture those thoughts and write an article and see if a publication will publish it. Mm. And that's what I did. I published this article on the Nintendo Switch and six of their games and what I thought about the accessibility for these games, whether they're playable or not for someone with a visual impairment. And then I sent all these emails out. I mean, I don't even remember how many I sent out, maybe 30, 50 and got 29 or 49 no's, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got one yes. And it was from a company called Nintendo Life out of the United Kingdom. And they said, we would love to publish this article. Are, 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 you, are you down? I'm like, Ab- absolutely, Ab- yes. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Nintendo Life, um, for any gamers out there, I, I mean, they are huge, especially when it comes to Nintendo. I mean, they've been around for many, many decades. So I was like, yes, I would love to publish an article with this super respected publication in the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. And was so crazy because I always tell people, you never know what's going to happen with what you do. Like you could think nothing is ever going to come out of work that I do today, Mm -hmm. but you really just don't know because the possibilities are endless. I put that article out. And I would say within a week, I had an email from Southeastern Guide Dogs. And I thought it was weird because it was along something that I used to do as the welcome desk coordinator. It was one of these public inquiries, like, hey, I would like to know the answer to this question. Can you answer it for me? And I'm like, I don't work there. Do do people not know that I don't work in Southeastern (laughs) anymore? I don't do this stuff no more. But then I actually took time to listen to the email and it was from RNIB, which is the Royal National Institute yes. of Blind People yes. out of the United Kingdom. And it was from one of their connect radio um, people. Her name is Paulina and she's a content creator for them. And literally the email was like, I read this article out of Nintendo life. And literally she had just gone on my Twitter or Facebook, whatever one saw that I used to work for Southeastern guide dogs sent an email to Southeastern Guide Dogs and say, I want to talk to Chad Bouton. Can you please make this happen? Right. And that's what happened. I got the email. I responded to her and she's like, I would love for you to come on and talk about your article. So I went on and after it was all said and done, she's just like, you're so good. You know, you're just like, I love the way you talk. You have such a great, you know, way of carrying yourself, um, very Mm -hmm. articulate. It's like, if you ever want to do anything more, just let me know and I'll try and find something for you. And Paulina, if you're listening, I know I tell you all the time, but thank you. You, I really do credit you with helping me fall in love with content creation because you gave me all the opportunities in the world. She got me on their happy hour. She made me record um, a reason why Jump Rope by Blue October is a song that has always really been there for me in times of struggle. We created like a little Christmas gift, like wish list for gaming, for games that I I would like explain why disabled gamers would love these games and be able to play them. And just, just more and more work. I mean, really, she didn't have to, but she did. And I'm so thankful she did because the more I worked and the more I recorded and the more I got published, I'm like, can I do this myself? And she was like, you absolutely can do this yourself. You need to do this yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's why at the end of the year, at the start of 2022, I'm like, okay, 
it's time to figure out how to start a podcast because I'm going to do my own radio show. Wow. Cool. So you've only <laughs> been podcasting for a little over a year. Yes. Yeah, so March 8th, no, no, no. March 9th will be the one year anniversary of when I recorded my very first episode. Wow. Chad, you're so good. That's amazing. I just assumed you'd been doing it forever. Like you're, a lot you're of people such say that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Okay. So tell us about your podcast. So at, at, at this time I am hindsight is 20 slash 200. And, and I know, and I know you love that name. Yes. <laughs> um, and you'll love why I named it that because my dad always growing up would say, you know, hindsight's 2020. I'm like, dad, no, it's not. It's 2200. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, for you, I guess it is because it doesn't matter how good hindsight is. You can't see it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, this is the joke that I've always had growing up about my vision. I think it would be perfect for my podcast. So that that's what the name is currently, but I, I am going to rebrand. And, um, after the one year anniversary of the podcast, I'm going to rename it to the unsighted radio. And when I sit back and think, why do I want to name it? The unsighted radio is because I think I, I, I truly believe that still to this day, even though with all that's going on in terms of diversity and inclusion, disability is still unsighted. I still believe that a lot of people still aren't looking at disability. Um, they're not looking at the spectrum. You know, the mainstream will report on it when it's necessary and convenient for them, but otherwise they don't care. It's out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. um, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, there's so much inequality going on with disability. And then there's also so many innovations that are going on with accessibility that's, you know, lending itself to disability and chronic health conditions. But I still feel it's still so incited. There's still so much visibility not being put onto it. And I think that's the reason why I named it the Unsighted Radio is because I want to give spotlight to disability, just disability as a whole. Um, obviously, vision loss and blindness will always be the cornerstone of the podcast because that's that's, that's me. That's who I am. It's my DNA. Literally, it's my DNA. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I do want to highlight, you know, cognitive, motor, um, motor neural, um, auditory. You know, it's, I, I want to give everybody the chance to highlight themselves and show what they're doing with their communities. So that's the big reason for the rebrand is I feel like there's so much more I can offer by rebranding my podcast to the Unsighted Radio and there's also a couple of other things that are happening. Um, I, I'll be adding a co-host. Oh. So there's that. There's a couple of segments that I'll be doing that will be in collaboration with some other um, podcasters. So I just feel overall from just a personal as well as professional sense, the rebrand was necessary. And I'm very excited to see what will happen once it takes place. Okay. So you've been podcasting for not even a year. <laughs> um, how do you find your guests? How many pod, like how you seem to record a whole bunch at a time. <laughs> You're just releasing all the time. Like how tell us, and this is just me being selfish, wanting to know, just, you know, learn from somebody else, how you do it. Yeah. How do you, how do you roll them all out? <laughs> I think was it I think Ryan um Ryan of AT Banter mm -hmm. was when, me, when they had me on the podcast um which I, I love AT Banter you know shout me out too. to them yeah um, shout out to Ryan yeah, one of our like, best listeners <laughs> <laughs> he's like how many podcasts are you putting out a week Chad I'm like like one every like every day he's like how many podcasts have you already done and this was like just like a couple of months after I started I'm like I don't know like maybe 30 he's like you're a mad man <laughs> every day you were releasing podcasts every day when I first started so no lie I was recording at least two to three episodes a day wow. and there was even days where I would record five episodes in a single oh. day and I would do that back to back so I would have no break I would literally sit down for five hours straight and record episodes wow and I highly don't recommend it because it's <laughs> exhausting, yes. but 
here's the thing the way that i'm wired is i feel my entire life i've had to outwork my peers i've always had to go above and beyond because i was never given any slack you know <sighs> So yeah. to me, I'm like, you know what? I know there's all these amazing podcasters who are also disabled, but I've got to outwork them. It's, you know, it's nothing against them, but it's like, I've got to put in the work and I've got to basically do the work when they're sleeping <laughs> so that I can start to build a brand and start to get my voice out there and start yes. to get some form of recognition to where I feel comfortable enough to ask guests to come on my show Mm -hmm. and to collaborate with other podcasters and ask, Hey, can I come on your show? Cause that was the biggest thing that scared me is asking other people in the beginning. It's like, mm -hmm. Hey, so I just started, can, can I come on your podcast? You know, I got <laughs> retinitis pigmentosa, you, you know, this is stupid. You probably don't even want me. Like I was so afraid to reach out to AT banter because like, mm -hmm. like, I'm like, they're not going to want me on. And then of course, Ryan's just like, all right, what day, what time? I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> he really wants me on? I can't believe this. Um, yeah. But, you know, the more and more I published, um, the more and more confidence I got. And then it really just let me know that, I, hey, I can do this and people will want to talk to me. And that is something that really did surprise me about the community. It's like, I've always known in my heart of hearts how amazing the disability community is and how great they are with working with their peers and colleagues. But I didn't know that personally, I guess, because I went in thinking I will never get guests, even though I would love to have guests. My guests will always be family, friends, or parents. Mm, right. <laughs> I'll never get a Sam CV or a two blind brothers. You know, I'll never get these people that I respect and see are doing great things. They'll never want to come on my show. And then you send an email out to them and then they literally respond, yes. And you're like, yeah. wow. Well, because who doesn't <laughs> love talking about themselves? It's quite an honor to be invited on a podcast. Like, mm -hmm. you know, any listeners want to invite me to be on their podcast, I'm willing. <laughs> but I guess it just surprised me that such accomplished and established advocates would give me their time and their busy schedules and that mm. CEOs of companies like, like be my eyes or um, just, you know, companies and just would uh, just want to come on and be on my podcast and want to have a conversation with me. It just, I think it not only humbled me, but it really just, and, and again, I keep using no pun intended because I just, apparently I love puns today, but it opened my eyes to like, wow, this community is really great with paying it forward. And that's always kind of been the biggest part of about me as a person is I always want to do my best to pay it forward mm -hmm. and help people. And if I can ever like have anyone who listens to any of my podcasts or any of my guest appearances on another podcast be like, I wonder if he would sit down with me and talk a hundred percent. I would, uh, you know, I, I draft an email to you right now if I could, it's just because I want to have as many conversations. I want to help as many people as I can. And as I just want to continue to highlight the amazing community and give back because I, I, I feel, and this is just my personal belief, if people pay it forward to you and you don't pay it forward to others, then I feel one, I feel like it's just a bad place to put yourself because I don't, I don't want to ever feel like I'm better than anybody else. That's just not who my parents raised me to be. And I, and I feel it's the thing that you need to do. It's like, if, if you pay it forward, people will see what you're doing and, you know, they'll definitely be more receptive of you as a colleague and someone that they can trust and confide in and want to fight alongside, you know, the ableism that's continues to take place in the world. Mm -hmm. So speaking of paying, are you being paid? Are you making a living doing podcasting? or yes. writing or and blogging. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm still figuring that out, but honestly, I I do get payments every month in some way. So okay. whether it is with consulting that I do on the side, whether it is journalism that I still continue to do on the side, 
um, whether it is things that are taking place and shaping with the podcast. It's like, I, I hate to use my, my Southern phrase, but I'm a rat on a Cheeto. Um, basically meaning it's like, once I get a hold of something, I don't let go. And once I find a good thing, I definitely try and make, you know, squeeze everything out of it as I can Mm -hmm. respectfully. So when opportunities come my way, I definitely try and use it in some way that can help build what I'm doing. So is it as much as people probably think? No, but for me, it's enough. It, mm-hmm. it, it gives me value and it lets me know that people want to pay me for the work that I'm doing. And that is very respectful because I do believe disabled people are just kind of expected to want to do work and do it for free because they should feel honored that their voices are being heard and that should be enough. But yes, it, 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 is, it does mean a lot, but you could also compensate us because a lot of the work we're doing is majority freelance you Mm -hmm. know we are our own you know bosses and employees so it really means a lot when i do get these companies are just like yeah i'll pay you for a hundred dollars to do a bunch of blog posts or you know or i'll pay you a thousand dollars to do xyz like it really validates me it lets me know it's like listen it might not be like a steady like day-to-day or week-to-week paycheck but it's enough and it's enough to keep the dream alive and that's the big thing is i don't if if the dream dies if my actual reason for doing all this advocacy and activism was to die then i go back and get like a normal nine to five job but it's not dying i don't believe it's ever going to die so I'm in this for the long run. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not just about money. I feel Mm -hmm. like having a meaningful life is, you know, do you love what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Are you making, uh, you making a difference Mm -hmm. in the world? And if you get some payment as well, then kind of win-win, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's on both sides of the scale for me. It's like, I get it here and there with the money, but I get it even more so with the value of what I'm doing. It's, you know, and in the beginning, you know, my mom was very hesitant because of course, as any mom, she just wants the best for her son and her children. Mm-hmm. And my sister would, you know, just was very frank with her. She's like, mom, look how happy he is. Look how happy he is doing something that he loves. Yes. He, he had a, a steady pay income with Southeastern guide dogs, but it's, it's like, he was miserable. He had no direction when he lost his job to the pandemic. And he didn't think that he would be able to continue living away from you. He thought he might have to go and live back with his parents. So so it's like you said, she told my mom, she's like, would you rather him be happy doing something where he finds value and he feels he's making a difference? Or would you want him to end up feeling defeated? Like he's got to go back, live with his parents and find a normal job. And to my sister, I say, I love you, sis. Thank you for having my back and everything. We always have each other's back no matter what. You know, that's just the type of siblings we are. And I think once she said that to my mom, she's like, you know what? No matter where this goes, I'm going to let him do it for as long as he can. And if one day he stops, then at least I let him, you know, do it on his own terms. And to that, that's where, again, just you know, I, I'm privileged to have the family and support I do because I do realize, and, you know, that's not always the case, you know, so I have to always recognize my privilege when it comes to the support system that I have and them allowing me to do this because in the beginning, there was, there was nothing, you know, it's like, there was, like, we didn't even know, it's like, they didn't even want me to do this. And now they're like, oh, no, no, no. My mom is retired. She's like, I'm going to be your momager. Um, once I get my appointments settled with my doctor's appointments, you know, we're going to be doing blog posts and YouTube videos. So it's like, it's change, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see, you know, the longer that this goes on and on, the more and more just people in my life are just like, don't stop because we know that you are living your best life. 
Do you get uh, listeners who contact you? That's like my favorite when I get an email from a listener who says just, I love your podcast and you know, whatever, like however it's impacting them. Those are the best days for me. Do you get emails like that? I do. I get them in. Um, they trickle in here and there, but it, it's, isn't it's, it amazing? Isn't it so great? It, it boggles <laughs> my mind and I don't think it will ever stop just taking my breath away. Mm-hmm. It's like when people say, Oh, I've listened to your podcast. I'm like, it's like, oh yeah, I listened to this episode. The The best one so far is through a mutual friend of ours, Melissa Hope of Descriptive yes. Video Works. Um, she's been an avid listener and fan, which I absolutely love. And I had her on the podcast recently um, and I did my introduction. You know, I do this, well, hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for coming back for another episode of the Un- Unsighted Radio. I'm your host as always, Chad Michael Bowton, yada, yada, yada. And then- I always do my guest today, the great and powerful, because I always say to my guests, you are the great and powerful when you're on my podcast. That's what I want you to feel like, because that's who you are. The great and powerful. <laughs> Melissa Hope, and she's like, ah, I got to be called the great and powerful. I've always wanted to, I've always wanted that to be me. So it's just <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I was that's so cool. happy to see her be so happy by getting that introduction. Cause like, yes. it, it, it meant, it meant so much to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So what are your hopes for the new branding? Where are you hoping that's going to take you? So I love doing the interviews, but what I'm really excited about with the rebrand is that I I'm, I'm bringing on a co-host, you know, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Yeah. So, um, do we get to know who it is? Yes. Yes. His name is Derek Mills. Um, he is 35 and he lives in Rhode Island. He has three, three lovely sons and a loving wife. And he was just recently within the last, I'd say three and a half years diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. Oh, he's joined the club. All right. (laughs) Welcome Derek. (laughs) Yes. And he has a very interesting story because his vision is still good enough to where he's driving. Okay. And he's working in construction, a construction, do- a construction job. There we go, Chad. You can use proper English, <laughs> <laughs> but he's working with heavy equipment still. Right. And I met him through Dave Steele, um, the blind poet. Uh, we were at the Foundation Finding Blindness uh, Visions Conference in 2022 at Orlando, Florida. And I was doing some recordings and Dave was there and I was great because I got to meet him in person because I love everything he does, especially for RP. And he's like, Chad, I want to introduce you to Derek. Um, he was just fairly recently diagnosed with RP and he's in a very strange place right now because he feels like he's not blind enough to be a part of the community. He feels almost like an imposter. He feels like he can't be proud of being blind because he's not blind enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I met and talked to him and he's a lovely person. And the cool thing about after leaving the visions conference is he took Dave's book, Austin's amazing adventures. And he read it to his three sons. And he says, so what do you think about Austin? He's like, Oh yeah, that's really, really cool. He's like, well, what would you think about if this is daddy's life and this is what daddy is going to have to, you know, start living with. And they were all like, we love you no matter what, dad. So it was just, you know, so cool to know that he used some form of literature from an amazing advocate in the community to kind of come out of the closet with his disability. Hmm. And after he did that, he just got the sense of, I want to be a part of the community more and more. That he's starting to feel like I, I do belong. You know, it doesn't matter that my lived experience is different for so many others that also have RP. You know, it's a spectrum. We all have different lived experiences with this disability and health, chronic health conditions. But I want to, I want to belong, and I want to do more. So, I put out a post on Facebook fairly recently where I was like, "Hey, I don't know if anyone will see this, but I really would love to bring on." somebody else to the podcast that will allow me to do more one-on-one conversations. So I want to have more kind of just sit down long form about a topic. 
or something that we've seen in the news or just something wacky and silly um, that has to do with disability and talk about it. And a friend of mine, um, she saw that. She's like, hey, let me get back to you. I think I know someone that would love to do this. And then she literally called me like five minutes later saying, hey, um, so I talked to this guy named Derek Mills. I'm like, oh yeah, Derek, I love Derek. I, yeah, yeah, Dave Steele introduced us. It's like, yeah, so he's been looking to do something that would get him involved with the community more and more. And he said that if you would have him, he would love to be your co-host. So long story short, um, we just recorded an episode together for the first time. And going forward, we will be recording a lot more episodes one-on-one, just him and I. And it, it can be things about this imposter syndrome that we feel uh, mm-hmm. or that newly diagnosed um, people feel when it comes to disability. Um, I know it's a touchy subject to bring up, but some of the gatekeeping that sadly does take place. Um, some people saying, but well, you can't be blind because you're not blind enough. Um, the coming out, because there really is a coming out process when it comes to disability, you know, mm-hmm. because it is, you know, a life-changing thing when you finally tell people, it's like, no, so I know you've known Derek Mills all your life, but you don't truly know Derek Mills or you don't truly know Chad Bowton because I'm blind. And this is my new reality. This is something about me that I've wanted to keep secret and maybe I've even been ashamed of for a while, but now... I'm coming out and I'm proud about it. And I want you to know it about me. So I just see there's so much more that he and I can talk about ourselves. And again, this just, this is me also helping someone who wants to be a part of the community and is still fairly recently new in his lived experience in his journey with vision loss. Mm-hmm. And what a great opportunity for us to be there for each other and help each other. And just support each other. And I think that's what I'm going to love about having him as a co-host. And I'm also going to do some segments. I have an idea to do like an advice forum where people can anonymously send in questions about disability, whatever it is, or just low points or high points in their life and just ask questions and then respond to them and try and answer them and make that its own episode. Um, I'm recently working with the Seesaw podcast um, co-host and we're going to do a segment that I'm calling the water cooler where it's just literally kind of, it's more like behind the music, (laughs) you know, know, it's like, you know, the Rolling Stones, but do you really truly know anything about them? And it's like, (laughs) oh yes, they like cheeseburgers like I do. I never knew that. (laughs) So kind of like stripping away, you know, like the professional, like Chad of, Unsighted mm-hmm. radio and kind of giving me more like, oh, so um, I went to a concert the other day and here's how my experience going to a live concert was and right. how I feel just like, here's some new food I tried and just, you know, there's just so much that I feel that I can do with this rebrand and I want to explore it all. And the thing is, in reality, will a lot of it probably be successful? Probably not, but I want to do it anyways, because I want to have fun and I want to explore the endless possibilities. And I think that's what's exciting about the rebrand is there's so many possibilities and I'm just excited to see which ones stick and which ones don't. Yes. I love it. I love it. I feel like that's a theme for you, you know, sending out, I don't know, 40 something emails and getting one response or recording a podcast every single day until it goes somewhere like you are a hard worker and yeah, like let's just try everything until Mm -hmm. something works. Right. Yeah. And and another change that will happen is, um, I, I, I definitely want you to be more professional with the episodes I'm putting out. So I've really been trying to work on, my episode descriptions really doing better at describing them using you know better language um you know i talked to um liz malone of at banter and you know she's quite a marketing expert and knows you know a thing or two about marketing um so i've had some conversations with her and um she's really just influenced me to do better with that um 
I'm going to get a website created finally. I know I've been saying I'm working on a website, but this time I truly do mean it. I'm working on a website. <laughs> and once that happens, um, I'm going to look into getting transcriptions because I, I owe that to my followers and supporters to add that. And then, um, you know, bringing on a co-host, he and I um, have said to each other that we definitely will work on editing and you know, making the quality of episodes maybe just a tad bit better. So just in terms of the quality of the episodes that I'm putting out is this also allows me a time to finally do the things that I've, I've honestly, I've just been dragging my feet for far too long and really need to get done. So it, I, I feel like it's a, like a total like paradigm shift, but it's definitely one that's needed to happen. And again, I'm just really happy to see what comes of it. Well, I wish you lots of luck with that. I'm sure you will be successful. I feel like you've come so far already. I can't believe less than a year. I am, that's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that I have to constantly remind myself. It's like, Chad, you're not even at a year yet. Yeah. And you, like, you look at like AT banter, they're like, what, seven, eight years. I mean, you know, they're veterans at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, got to slow down a little bit, you know, take some time to self-reflect and, and realize like, yes, it's good that you want so much to happen. And, you know, like you said, just throw stuff at a dartboard and eventually I'm going to nail the bullseye <laughs> eventually, <laughs> yes. but just remember it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. And you're only in this for less than a year, almost a year. And a lot of great stuff has happened and a lot of other great stuff is going to happen, but don't rush it. So that's something that I always try to remind myself. It's like, you've already done so good. Just, you know, keep your, you know, and I know I've never drove, um, <laughs> drove a car, but keep your foot on the gas pedal, but maybe just let off a little bit, but continue to grind, continue to work and you will always continue to get the same results because if you put in the same amount of work, you'll always get out of it what you put in. Yeah, for sure. I could talk to you for <laughs> another hour, but I respect your time. Where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcasts? Yes. So right now we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and they can find us through Anchor. I am waiting on word from Amazon Music and Google Play to see if they will allow me to publish through their platforms. But that's also something I definitely want to do with the rebrand is get even more platforms where the podcast is available. So I'm definitely looking into that as well. But currently we're on Apple Podcast, we are on Spotify and we are on Anchor. Of course, it's still hindsight is 20 slash 200, but March 20th of this year, 2023, it will be rebranded to the Unsighted Radio, which will be spelled U-N-S-Y-T-E-D Radio. Um, but of course, we um, are working on the website. Uh, would love to eventually be able to plug that once it's created. Um, but we are on Twitter, where I am pretty much all day, all day every day, um, at Unsighted Radio, at un. S-Y-T-E-D radio, all one word, at Unsighted Radio. If anybody would ever like to email me and bug me with a question, send me an email, C.M. Bouton. It's the initials of my name, C as in Chad, M as in Michael, then my last name spelled out, B-O-U-T-O-N at yahoo.com. Uh, I, I always have time to answer questions. And uh, again, just anything, just bugging me about anything. I just wanted to put that out there. Awesome. Great. <laughs> well, thank you. Good luck with Unsighted Radio. I look forward to listening and good luck with the new co-host. That sounds really great. Hey, thank you so much for everything that you do at Blind Beginnings. Again, I, I truly respect you as a colleague and what you do for young kids and the youth of the next generation. Uh, truly, I, I believe in what you guys do at Blind Beginning so much, and I'm just so happy that more is being done for blind children, because as a blind kid who kind of fell through the cracks, it's organizations like yours that I truly respect, and um, I just wish you all the, you know, best in the continued success, because I truly love what you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating only if you like us and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.